You are listening to the most comprehensive source for news and views about today's unions. This is LaborUnionNews.com's Labor Relations Radio and your host, Peter List. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Hey, thanks for turning on and tuning in to Labor Relations Radio. So it's been a little while since we've done anything on the war on the gig economy, the government efforts to destroy independent contractors' livelihoods. And for those of you that are independent contractors and follow along with the podcast, you know that it is not all quiet on the left front. In any case, a couple weeks ago, I was contacted and had a good conversation with a gentleman by the name of Mike Hruby, who is president of New Jobs America. He advocates for removing federal and state laws, harming job growth and self-employment. And as we were talking, I thought it would be a good idea to have him come on to the podcast because he could give us an update as to what's happening at both the state and federal level. In any case, without further ado, here's Mike Ruby. You are listening to Labor Relations Radio. Well, Mike Ruby, welcome to Labor Relations Radio. You've got a organization called New Jobs America, and I thought we could have a kind of a broader conversation about the independent contractor issue that we haven't done in quite a while on Labor Relations Radio, and you've got a you've got your fingers in it, so to speak. So how are you today? I'm good, Peter. Uh, I'm, I'm completely into the into that issue. So it's more than just my fingers. I'm way up over my head. Well, so to go back a little bit for the listeners, because we haven't done an episode on the independent contractor issue in quite a while. Let's talk about the independent contractor issue, the war on the gig economy, and this ABC test that is really trying to kill the gig economy. Sure. Um, the uh, independent contracting is, is a, a puzzle to people. If you think of self-employment, uh, the public loves self-employment. Probably 98% love the concept. And eventually most people try it at one time or another. The, uh, it's very simple. It's that, that anyone who's a self-employer uh, working for themselves is both a boss and an employee at the same time. They have a dual nature. And the uh, Fair Labor Standards Act says, uh, which is the major labor law, says that anybody who's an em- everybody who works is an employee. So the labor side of the street proceeds on that basis. Meanwhile, if you or I are self-employed, we... Are, we have to do both things. We have to comply with labor law as an employer and then do what we agree to do as the employee. And the mechanism for, uh, for most people uh, for being self-employed is to, to do a, conduct a service occupation of some sort. It could be nursing. It could be geologist. It could be... Uh, emergency crews, it could, you know, just an enormous number of different things that 660 different occupations can be uh, independently contracted. And that means that people find a way to package the work 
and so that it has a it becomes a project that they can quote on and uh, bid on and complete and get paid for. So that independent contracting is an individual's ability to participate in the economy as a firm of one, not a firm of two or more, but just a firm of one. And you can also engage other independent contractors, and you can uh, engage employees. And the model of being your own boss actually comes, it, the contemporary version comes from when Mozart in 1781, decided he was done working for Count whatever his name was in, you know, uh, in Austria. And he wanted to compose music that he thought the public wanted and that he was willing to go and live on his wits and his musical abilities and sell it. And that's the main urge behind 250 years of independent contracting. Uh, naturally, in music, he did a great job, and Beethoven made money at it. So this is a well-known theme in the in the musical world. Uh, both of them wrote prodigiously wonderful music and did it without a boss. And dialing straight into today, 70 million people in America uh, earned some form of living full-time, part-time, moonlighting, first-time, occasionally, whatever, make money by selling their time to someone who's a client, not an employer. They, that means that, that they, they control how they do the work. They control the non-customer decisions about how the work is done. They don't have control over when the client needs it. That's a that's a buyer consideration. They don't. Uh, they negotiate a price, and in time, they will acquire the skill if they persist. They will acquire the skill of managing their time and selling it and collecting for it, and making a living doing that. It could be Uber rides. It could be emergency contracts for cleanup. For utility crews, for instance, it could be any one of a number of things. Carpentry is, you know, plumbing. That's all independent, can be all independently contracted. So it's a valid form of work. It is highly popular uh, with, with the public. The polls on who likes it is, shows that 80% of it, 80% of people who do it like it, most wouldn't change. Uh, and then the 20% you can safely ass- uh, assume are people who either blundered into it by mistake, got into it because they got fired or something, are new to it, and haven't acquired the kind of the knack and the and the zen of you know how you how you stay busy doing billable work and sell more and collect etc. Much of that is made easier by all the platforms that. Uh, serve independent contractors and allow the matching of work to be done and someone willing to do that work. So why is it under attack? Uh, There are so many reasons it is under attack. It is under attack because it completely violates the current drift in public life around the world towards kind of Marxist, authoritarian, 
determinism of your life and everything about it. The individual in a free market is the unit of production. That's the unit of how things get done, is what the individual does. How well he or she performs, how well prepared they are, their experience, their communications ability, the full spectrum of their humanity goes into creating a living. So, but there are many people in public life who dislike the idea of a lot of people running around, finding clients, doing work for them, collecting, paying their taxes, and then keeping the money in their pocket. And foremost among those opposed and who we encounter virtually hourly in opposition to freedom of the individual are America's unions. They're part of a worldwide coalition, the International Labor Organization, the ILO. They coordinate with unions elsewhere. They savagely don't like the idea of you the listener going out and becoming your own boss and being your, you know, doing your own work and, and whatever it is that you choose to do. The, but since the public loves it and most people who do it love it and wouldn't go back, and many of them have no alternative but independent contracting, you have to, um, the, the unions decide they can't have that. First of all, there's no, there's no rent in that. They can't charge them anything. Uh, secondly, they are a persistent source of market pricing for certain kinds of work. Matter of fact, all that they do is a market price. I figure out that uh, I'm going to do a task. If I'm going to analyze a market or diagnose specimens in a lab or create new solutions mathematically, I can figure out in a couple of jobs, I can figure out how long it will take me to do that and how long it will take me doing that work to make enough money to pay my bills that I have every day. We all have them. And that's the business model of independent contracting. How many hours have I got to work and what can I make per hour on the bulk of those, of those hours? So it's revenue, times hours equals in gross income, then sure, you'll have expenses. You take those out of, you take your expenses out of your gross income and you get a net income and your accountant will say, be sure to pay your taxes because it's a whole lot cheaper to pay your taxes than to get into a tax fight and lose billable hours. You can do the math. So, and, and they'll also tell you, overpay them just a little bit so there's always a little something there that you're willing to, you know, just you put it on the table as chum for the tax guy. Like, you know. Like, so, Mike, let me, let me ask you, on the union opposition, do you think it's because they're not collecting any off the top being the union dues, or is it that they want to just control the work as well, or, or perhaps both? Both. There are a lot of benefits to the union bosses of not of, of having of having union members and the more members the better sure. first of all there's just the, the regular salary as a boss and the more people they have the bigger their salary secondly if you're a union boss you get 
to run the pension fund. You get to run the benefits. You can sit as an officer on the pension fund, which is a separate organization that you supervise, and you can be on that. You can, uh, you can dispense money to your friends in the legislature or the friends you want to be in the legislature and be a big shot. You can steal. I mean, look at what the UAW has been going through with, with their, um, their people. You can actually steal from the pension fund. You can invest it in things that are not an investment and, and get a piece of that. And most of all, you don't want happy workers. You want workers that are mad at the boss. And so they spend a great deal of time stirring up friction. Uh, the UA recent automotive, you know, big three negotiations are a good example of that. They stir up friction and make money off the friction. So they, an independent contractor has no revenue potential for a labor boss. So that, and they look at 40% of the workforce working this way, and they think we're going to get exterminated, which they, you know, they're heading that direction. But with independent yeah. contracting, people like their work. I'm, con- I'm, I'm thinking about this kind of bigger picture. If obviously from a union's perspective, they're not collecting dues from independent contractors. They're not able to control the work. And then on the flip side to that, are they also getting undercut by independent contractors who can come in and do the job faster, cheaper, et cetera? Yes. Yeah. So you've got a business model problem as well. Yes. The independent contractors can do certain types of work vastly better than a unionized workforce where everybody has to do almost everything that comes up and you're not allowed to buy specialty talent. Now, the unions will say, oh, everybody can't be an independent contractor, and not everybody wants to be one. The, um, the situation is that, that there is, in a, in a business, there is baseline capacity, which never goes away, and then, then there's peak capacity, and you need to be able to provide both of those. So you don't actually want your entire labor force as independent contractors and discover on a Thursday morning that nobody wants to come to work today because they're all doing something else that day. That puts you out of business. So you will always, as a boss of a business, have full-time employees, and they will have one deal because that deal is you will pay their salary every week or every other week, and they will live with you, and you will live with them. Okay, fine. Then you use the independent contractors for the problems, the emergencies, anything having to do with specialty, anything that you have no chance of supervising it or even knowing where the people are or if they're working. And those are numerous. Everything in sales, you're always with the customer. You're out someplace. You know, so that's a, a way that routinely uh, industries use uh, help that's flexible and that manages itself. No overhead for managing. It's all in the bill. That's how industry will use it that way. So it's an excellent solution. Those prices, they know those prices because they buy them from independent contractors. So they go, okay, I'm paying the guy 100 and a quarter, and but if I had to do this and pay the guy full time, I'd have cost, 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 and 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 this this is way better to to have one full time guy and a bunch of contractors because I my business fluctuates wildly. That's 
with in that situation, a union guy comes in, he doesn't want the independent contractors anywhere near that place. He wants total control over that boss so that he can raise the salaries, create unhappiness, you know, get get people kind of fighting each other, try to get all the wages together. If the bo- if the boss is a little crooked, then the boss will kind of say to the union guy, "Can't you? I can I can help you out with some of your personal stuff. You know, that driveway can get paved. Um, if you'll you know give me a little help on on the benefits or a little help in the negotiation." And so there's there's also the gimme and the you know like gotcha whatever all all the little terms that they have for. Um, the grift that sometimes goes on with a with a um, a dishonest broker, you know. Can you trust your realtor? Yeah, pretty much. You know, what if the realtor had a monopoly? Would you trust him? No, you wouldn't. So that's what we're dealing you, with. You mentioned a couple times, and I'm going to clarify this for the listeners, that um, the unions want unhappy workers. And I'm just going to tell you from my perspective coming out of the union movement, the purpose of that is essentially – if you've got happy workers who like their boss and, you know, everybody's getting along and it's kumbaya, eventually the workers will start wondering why there is a broker in the middle. And, yes. and so I, and I don't, I know there's going to be union listeners that take offense to this, but if they really stop and think about it honestly and intellectually, there is no reason for somebody to be in the middle if the two parties are getting along it's like you know having a marriage counselor if your marriage is going along fine you don't really need a marriage counselor right so it's that stirring up or fomenting the discord in the workplace that is often a key role for a union yes anyway sorry i had to i had to interject that i think it's exactly right if you imagine a world in which um, we had competitive unions in other words Anybody could go in and represent the workers at Ford. Didn't have to be a, a regular, you know, a, a UAW or, or even some other union, Teamsters for the trucking part. Um, if you had guys working with the employer and working with the um, employees and trying to find ways to, to improve both of their lots, they'd be doing thoroughly different things than what they are. They would invent independent contracting for the work that's flexible. They would uh, charge plenty for it. They would uh, man- they would manufacture terms that looked an awful lot like what we have in independent contracting already, and they would be working towards weeding out the cranks and the difficult, you know, the malingerers, the m- m- malingerers, and the you know, the, the constant complainers work those out of the labor force and have people who like to work hard, like to get paid. There'd be much more flexible wages. Seniority would not be the, the way you, you compensate people, but their actual measurable contribution to the, to the productivity and profitability of the organization. And we'd have vastly better employee production metrics than we have. And the employees would like them because they would have worked with their own union to say, here's how I could, here's how I manage my work. I haven't been asked this in a long time because the car company is no longer in existence, but they're back in the day and I'm going back 20, 30 years ago, there's a car company that was truly a labor management partnership called Saturn, which was GM and UAW. 
And reportedly that fell apart because the, the union at the Solidarity House, UAW, and management, they were getting along for Saturn, but the upper echelons couldn't deal with that synergy. In other words, they, they liked having that adversarial relationship. UAW yes. didn't like you know, the, the synergy that was happening down in Spring Hill, and that's one of the reasons that thing blew up. Exactly right. It it is uncomfortable, and it is, I think, the most protected single aspect that the unions uh, demand and create uh, from um, from the Fair Labor Standards Act is the, the the exclusive representation. They don't want to have to deal with competition. I think that's National Labor Relations Act, but the Fair Labor Standards Act with regard to independent contractors. And, you know, the other part of this is the independent contractors cannot be unionized under the National Labor Relations Act, which is the other bugaboo that unions have. God, that's an old term. The, uh, so let's kind of bring this forward a little bit. The, the war on the independent contractors really escalated with AB5 out in California. Yes. And that was where I think, I can't remember the case, is trucking case, California Supreme Court issued this ABC test, which later made it into AB5, which was around 2020, right as the the nation was starting to shut down. But the ABC test is also in the PRO Act, which is the national legislation, the Protecting the Right to Organize Act. And that for now is dead, at least through 2024. What Correct. What is happening now with, well, first, I guess we should define what the ABC test is and why it's so disastrous for independent contractors. Okay. Um, we have, I have quite a bit of familiarity with it. The ABC test, as used, has, has evolved over time. And it's the current wording and I have, I have a sheet here you I live with it all the, the time you always have you have to keep looking at it all the time to make sure you're you're straight on it evolved in uh, for, into its current form in 2004 in Massachusetts in state labor law and it was it had been changed there was a, a bad situation that both sides recognized of guys in the construction industry, forcing individuals to be self-employers and then often cheating them on how much they got paid and when. And it was, nobody was happy with it. The work couldn't get done. People couldn't get paid. uh, And it was just, it was ripe for even worse troubles. And there was a lot of committee work. And what evolved was that at the last minute, the three-pronged additive test, we can go into the details, was changed overnight, and the version slipped under the pen of then-Governor Romney, who apparently signed it without anybody reviewing the fact that what had become an A, B, or C test had become an A plus B plus C test. Got signed, nobody read it, and a couple of years later, the the people started talking about it. The state attorney general looked at the law and said, this is a disaster. It'll put all of our businesses 
pretty much out of the business of buying any of these services. You think of pharmaceuticals and software and finance and so many areas of Massachusetts economy relies on specialists and, uh, you know, emergency work. And so she issued an, uh, in 2008 a four- to six-page interpretation of the law that said, in effect, according to labor attorneys, if you pay the tax, if the taxes get paid on this work somewhere, either by the individual or by the company buying them, then we're not going to prosecute you unless it's a, an egregious example and we're, we can get some PR out of it. And that's been the law in Massachusetts. And it's the ABC test minus some of the fangs, but it's still on the law. When the time came, uh, California had had some uh, California, the drafters alleged to be uh, then Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez uh, and a number of academics wrote a version of the uh, a modification to existing labor law in California and included word for word the Massachusetts version in their ABC test. And we should, for people who are puzzled as to what this is, I'll see if I can, I can summarize it. There are three tests, and if you pass all three, or rather, if you if you fail one, you that work is not independently contracted. The first one is that the individual is free from direction and control by the hiring entity in the con- connection of the performance of the work, et cetera, et cetera. This means uh, there are better ways to write this, but basically, you can't stand over someone, tell them, you know, how to do the work and when they should fix it, and when they can substitute something else in here for that, and and pretend that you're not a boss because you're acting like a boss and you're forcing the individual to be the subordinate. Okay. That's moderately clear. The second test is the person performs work that is outside the usual course of the hiring entity's business. This one is the one that's loaded, and this, in, first in Massachusetts and then almost everywhere else since that's used it, this is where the difficulty arises because usual course of the hiring entity's business, you have no idea what that actually means. Does that mean including all emergencies and all exigencies and all crafts? Because if you have snow plowing, like you don't need it in the summer in Massachusetts, does that mean you know, whatever, all the, liti- all the litigation, all the challenges come in this test because you and I could agree. If you hired me for something and we said, okay, um, this is outside the usual course of our business, and Mike, you do this, I say fine, and then a judge sees it and goes, no, no, Peter does that on, on this frequency and he, he does that, or someone else in accounting this is a normal thing, and he's an accountant, so, you know, this is the usual course of the business of accounting. It's not Jones and Smith. So this one is absolutely fraught. You cannot make sure that if you have a contract with a client that you can absolutely get around that. So, so let me pause that for a second, because where we first 
well, where it made really big national news was as AB5 was being passed in California and Vox, which was supportive of AB5 prior to it actually being enacted, became one of the first public entities to lay off or discontinue use of independent contracting for the writers there. And so Vox is a publication. They employ a bunch of independent contractors who are writers out in California. And because their business is the same business, so to speak, as the writers, they just said, no, we're done with all of the writers in California. Right. So that's, that was a part B in action. That is a part B in action, and that is that is the bad the bad result of the the second prong. In the old days, there was a geographic exception in prong B. It was an off the you know the work was conduct in an outside the usual course of business of the hiring entities work, um, or conducted in in all cases, outside of the places of business of the hiring entity. And that was a, an optional prong in prong two. This is, it gets complicated, but this is labor law. You gotta you absolutely get your hands around it. Then there was an or between the second and the third prong. Mm. So, or the person is customarily engaged in an independently established trade, occupation, or business of the same nature as that involved in the uh, involved in the work performed. That means if I had a truck or a place of business uh, and I did my my work always, you know, and, and I was clearly in business, then I would I would pass. Now, what does it say about the first job? It doesn't deal with the issue of this is my first project. I want to be a custom carpenter and, and go to different people's business, you know, places and, and do it. But this is my first job. Am I in? Do I have a cust, you know, a, an independently established trade? Well, you don't know. It's going to go to a judge. So that's a fraught test, too. But it at least is is well-minded, but when you make the three all together, you can't, you can't pass them. And that's, that's where the trick is about the ABC test, is that you can't make sure that a third party will ju- judge it the same way you do, particularly if the third party is a Department of Labor and, and made up of former labor union officials and staffers, and, of course, they're going to come to their own conclusion. That's what they're there for. So uh, this... This is a, it's fake. It's a, it's like a practical joke. Like we're going to put a joke in federal law and you can't, it's could call it a test, but you can't pass it. It's a fail only test. And you, on some grim basis, you have to, you have to chuckle at, at the chutzpah of these people who, who put this in here, you know, since 2004, it's gone into California. It's then they took it into the pro act now they're trying to put it as part of their blue state rollout of the pro. They're trying to put it into individual states. Uh, they didn't get it into Rhode Island. They didn't get it the ABC test. They didn't get it into Michigan. And but they're going to keep trying to put it into state law. So yeah, let's let's kind of pause with that for a second because you had indicated just now that I didn't even hear about Rhode Island, but they're starting to now because the the pro act is stalled in Congress. 
they're starting to now push it into the individual states. Correct. You know, California's already done, but um, in Massachusetts, which I was unaware of, is done. But what about Michigan? You mentioned Rhode Island. Where else are they pushing this? The uh, uh, This changes daily. <laughs> I need a, a little whiteboard with this. So California, okay, they got a hundred and they got an ABC test and a hundred and nine um, exclusions, more or less. Uh, except, except right. Michigan, they tried it in Michigan, and it collapsed. The combination of bills, they were going to put the ABC test in, and then they'd come up with this wicked stack of um, uh, penalties. I think six different penalties plus jail time if you bought a independently contracted project and jail time and jail time that was wow. great yeah that just just a year it turns out as they say just a year <laughs> uh, but that's pretty much it. but then that's for each infraction so you have to look at in order to come up with the count you know how much the exposure is you have to see how they count it, it, uh, um, uh, infractions all right so let me just ask so that I'm assuming is for the hiring entity that would have to go to jail for using independent contractors. Yes. That are quote misclassified. The genius, the genius of the ABC test is that it prohibits buying. It says nothing up until recently about selling. So what this does is it deprives all independent contractors of the right to go to court and say, I'm being unconstitutionally deprived of my right to earn a living in my trade. And the reason they do that is that those people are sympathetic witnesses on the stand. It's moms. It's people in rural areas. It's the disabled. It's, you know, cheerful retirees. It's Everybody, you'd, you'd want to not convict if you were in a jury, okay? So they, they absolutely can't accept, you, you know, punishing both sides. They have to, you know, employers, bad, employees, good. That's the union mantra. They're only going to regulate the one side. All right. That's a, and it's, that's a trick in the law, another trick. I mean, this thing is just... Deceit and guile all intermixed like you know, Neapolitan ice cream. Okay. Back to the list. Literally, this changed. Okay. Michigan, we no bill was passed in, in Michigan. They backed down completely. They were setting up a bounty hunting fund in state law to pay people to inveigle employers to hire them as independent contractors and then the law this out of this fund that was created from penalties was going to pay people to welch on this no 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 i'm 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 an employee i'm an employee where's my where's my misclassification bonus okay gross then in new york new york has taken over this is past law now taken over the power of contract of solo entrepreneurs who make over $800 a year, just solos, not two, not partners, regardless of the corporation. They incorporate, doesn't matter. They look right through it, abolishing 500 years of respect for the corporation. Nope, we're going to look, we're going to look through it. The now, man, is this current or is this proposed? This is the new law already passed and signed by Governor Kathy Hochul. Okay. This is, 
Nobody's made it. That means essentially the state will be able to get involved with all the contracts that Uber and DoorDash and Lyft write with their drivers. Does this only apply to the rideshare or the app-based independent contractors, or is this? Across the board, solos. Okay, so if I started out in my garage with a lathe doing some carpentry work, wanting to sell that to builders, that's also going to apply? Yes. Okay. It requires a written contract for each retention of, of services, and you get the contract from state from the state. And it gives the commissioner of labor the right to add other terms to the, this contract, and the phrase is by rule, meaning all he has to do is say, fine, we're going we're gonna to raise the minimum billing rate, we're going to reduce the maximum work hours, all of the all of the stuff in the contract is it becomes under the control of New York State, and in New York State, the labor unions are the law. The they then create reciprocity with other states, which effectively overrides the interstate jurisdiction of the federal government. They're going to go and they're going to go and bring people in and and punish out of state buyers for using in state talent. They'll they'll have the right to do that. And yet, it says that interstate commerce is is regulated by the federal government. So, uh, and then there's a stack of penalties, including something called a pattern or a practice of misbehavior about buying independent contractors. Now, a pattern or a practice is very much an art. That's a... That's a design. That's a in the in the eye of the beholder. They don't say three or more. They don't say you know forty two instances. No, it's a pattern. It's a practice. And right. So, so okay. Then there's a federal law that's going to mix up the that this is new. It's going to it won't be passed by this Congress because it won't pass the House, uh, but it it will it will mix up the benefits between independent um, contractors and if I understand this right, and there are a lot of the, a lot of versions flying around of these different bills and employees, and it will, it will blur the line. Basically there's, um, it blurs the line because it applies a, a mandatory benefit to the, to the independent contractor that's involuntary. It's, they're telling the business they you have to, you know, you have to receive benefits for this. So all the retirees will get maternity benefits. You know, I'm like, wow, what is what? this? Is ridiculous, and it is. Anyway, that's then. There's uh, after that comes Illinois, and I haven't even looked into Illinois yet. So, but this is the blue state rollout, and this is it's all anti-independent contractor. It's very devious in that it does different things in different states, and some of it is extremely severe, and it's totally under the radar. This is a submarine effort. It's under the radar. You can't see it. But you, somebody, your, your viewers will say, what, they're going to run out of blue states before they get to 50. And the answer is yes. And then my guess is, just guessing about the unions, is they're going to say, well, 
we need someone to call for national legislation and unify all these disparate, conflicting, expensive, difficult, and hostile bills. And so then they'll be they'll ask all the regulated industries, and that includes quite a few right now, uh, banking, transportation, uh, you know, you can go food distribution, all the all the big companies, manufacturers and service alike, they will ask them. Can you demand uniform national legislation? And it will look just like the PRO Act. Well, and that's, of course, the PRO Act is only stalled right now because of the makeup of the Congress, right? It hasn't been able, it's passed the House twice, but it hasn't been able to pass the Senate yet. Depending on the outcome of 2024, that could decisively change. Yes, and if yeah. that's the case, they just reintroduce it. If, if the Republicans hold the House, it won't pass the House. But if the Republicans lose the House, or if they get, because it's, you know, it's a narrowly divided House right now, they could get some Republicans to pass the PRO Act. And then if they get enough senators in the Senate, and if Joe Biden's president again, you know, then you wind up having the PRO Act anyway. Yes which I think is what they're banking on, hoping for. They're trying to get as much as they can now in the states, then create a holding pattern. Um, they'll, they'll do pretty well because the blue states are, are wholly owned by the large unions. Right, right. Their, their legislators, their regulators, and their executive branch. So um, I think they'll double the number, maybe more. These things are coming down the pike. They're all different. And they're different because it makes it much harder for a coalition of self-employers and employers and the franchise industry to fight them because each one is a different battle. It's an ingenious solution to the problem. You've got to respect these guys. Uh, That doesn't mean admire. It means respect. You've got to respect them for their ability to, to keep, you know, switch strategies and keep going. And then they'll see what the election does, and they'll see what their next step is. But they, their control is so strong right now that you have to, you have to fight as if this is the end of the line for independent, independent work, because it easily could be. Never been this way in 250 years. And what, what do you do at New Jobs America? We, our slogan at the moment is defending self-employment. And it's as accurate as can be. Um, but the a good defense has offense and defense. So on defense, we're doing this. We're, we, we, for four years, we've been fighting the AB5 and the PRO Act. And we've, we have contributed in our own small way to um, the PRO Act not going forward. I don't want to claim uh, anyone else's credit. We had, we had our part. On the offense side, it is absolutely crucial that self-employers be for something, be for some sort of legislative solution. There are half a dozen solutions out there. None of them, address, except ours, called Be My Own Boss, none of them address the problem, the six problems that face independent contractors in their real world. 
but you have to be for something. And so the name of the legislation is I want to be my own boss. Most people who are self-employed understand that, men and women, old and young. I just want to be my own boss. And it has six main features, uh, if you want me to go, go through them very briefly. It gives you a specific choice in federal law to say, Toggle, I am self-employed. And nowhere else, never have in uh, 80, working on 85 years of the um, Fair Labor Standards Act, has an individual ever been able to make that toggle. And then once you've made that choice, it gives you a number and a date. And the number corresponds as a federal employer identification number does it's it's given out unconditionally. That's how you identify a corporation, a partnership, um, a uh, a trust. Uh, you know, any any form of activity gets a self gets a federal identification number. This would be for the for the relationship of self employment, and you could then go and be free of the ABC test with anyone who becomes your client under these terms. Um, it harmonizes with other uh, major legislation so that since there are 39 different places in federal law that define employee, we took the major two, four, six of them that are most used, and we have inserted the, a clause, very short clause in them that, that excludes people working as a self-employer who have registered with the Department of Labor. Um, one thing it does, also does, is uh, the fourth advantage is it allows you to moonlight and still keep your regular job. You don't have to choose self-employment or employment. If you want to work days at your regular job, if you want to do pony rides at the circus, you run something like that, you can, you can do that using your self-employer identification number. So it does this with a number. It's Everybody understands it. If you want to work a regular straight job, you use your Social Security number. Another nine-digit job allows you to choose to work as your own employer. It applies to interstate, international, and federal government contracting, so we don't step on the toes of state powers, but it allows, it, it, does, it prohibits the kind of penalty chasing that uh, Michigan wanted to do, Rhode Island uh, wants to do, New York will try to do. It prohibits that because this is an interstate, if, if um, preemption location works, you know, contracts with me, that's an interstate contract. And then finally, it ends the misclassification hustle. This has been 85 years of this. It's made many people rich. You can't get away with that anymore. doesn't force a single person to, to be independent for even, even one minute if they don't want to be. Well, that would have to, okay, how do you get there? Because you basically have to redefine the Fair Labor Standards Act and the DOL's tests and all that stuff that often is what the DOL will catch employers doing it with misclassification. 
Right. You're, right. you're basically doing away with that? We're doing what the FL, FLSA, how it handles exceptions, is that we are by the, in the def, outside the language of the Fair Labor Standards Act, in the definitions and exemptions, we, we define employee to exclude anybody who has signed up to be a self-employer. So you're not covered by the things that misclassification applies to. And then we all, these are very simple statements in law, very simple to do this. Then we exempt as an employee anyone who is also registered as a self-employer. Those two things go together. Now, if Johnny does this and sets up his own business, becomes a self-employer, and then hires Martha to be the sales lady, Martha's an employee. He has to, he has to do everything that employers have to do now. There's no change in that, no change in responsibility. He just he has to he has to act like a an employer, act like an employer. But so, if Martha if Martha toggles the switch and says, I want to be self-employed, then he gets out of it? If she says you're misclassifying me, then you have to look at what the contract is. But if she is lying, if she said, I, I took this, but I want to be a, a self-employed, first of all, if you, they should cease the contract there under now that it's all historical and figure out did something go wrong. If she misrepresented her, her intention, she can be subject to a felony for perjury. She, she swore that she was going to work, do work under this number as an, an employer. Therefore, she'd be the peer, not the subordinate of the buyer. Where I would see a problem with this is the accusations or allegations of the, quote, employer or the hiring entity abusing its workers. And by that, it's, you know, that lack of agency that workers have because all powerful employers exploit them. They can't claim it. Under The minute this Be My Own Boss goes into effect, anyone who has not signed up for it cannot be, cannot be claimed to be an independent contractor. Right. However, you're actually st more strongly protected because everyone will understand. Do you have a do you have a self-employer identification number? No. Sorry, we can't contract with you. Both parties are responsible now. Right, but those all-powerful employers are going to force these poor workers who have no choice, either homelessness or being forced to be independent contractors against their will. That's where the allegations come from. It's it's the society we live in. It's I I know idealistically, okay. That we think workers should have their own agency. All right. In three major areas, Americans already choose which law to be judged under. Stay with me now. These are very exotic, Peter. These are mm -hmm. these are 
people, this is strange. First of all, there's a thing called marital law. And you're, you can allowed to be married under marital law and choose to have your everything judged under marital law, whether it's community property or whatever, joint comment, et cetera. Okay, that's very different. You can become a licensed driver and be subject to vehicular law, where you drive, what you drive, how often you drive, are you licensed, et cetera. And we let people choose both of those. And the third exotic is you can enlist in the armed forces and then choose to be judged under military law. And there is no controversy about people being able to handle these. And in fact, some people engage in all three at the same time. And no one accuses them of being guiled, you know, beguiled into a relationship they don't want. Well, I think... I agree with that. The The concept that you are proposing here is the same. It's the same argument that's being used now with Uber and Lyft and any of the other rideshare apps that workers can't decide for themselves. Employers are abusing them, exploiting them, and therefore we need the ABC test. By making it even more voluntary and giving that checkbox there and making it more on the onus of the individual employee, that's where everybody's going to be like, no, they can't decide for themselves. But if you're married, how did you enable, where did you get the power to be married? Where'd you get the power to be a driver? You were no, given the I, I get that. Okay. Yeah, no, it's, this, this, is, this takes a huge mindset change, Peter. You're right, which I, we are I, nowhere near in this country right now. Uh, let's say that's a judgment of how far we've come from free enterprise. Yeah. We can't imagine being free to choose our own work and our own time and what to do, how to do it and what to charge for it. And your own destiny. That's right. Your own destiny. It's a radical concept. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. It's interesting though. Thank you. I, it's, it's been a pleasure to do it. I, I, I absolutely say this is, this is the most fascinating thing. And in college, I took labor law for one semester. I couldn't stand it. Oh. Ah. <laughs> and here I am. Here I am. So Yeah. Well, this, this whole issue is much bigger than most people realize. And I was mentioning before I hit the, the record yeah. button, just talking about the ABC test with even family members who are like, what are you talking about? Yep. You know, and it's, it's been out there for a while. It impacts 60 to 70 million Americans. And eventually, were they to ever shut off independent contracting, that's a huge, huge shift for an economic model here in the United States. It is an earthquake headed our way, Peter, of mm -hmm. a seismic size that no one appreciates. Um, I have personal experience as a result of the Sarbanes-Oxley Act. I was doing my my best work, and uh, it put me put my firm out of business. Long story, but the same architect, the same draftsman that put that bill together is named Gary Gensler. He is now head of the SEC, and he's still preventing people from taking companies public. And that's that's his work. This is this is a long term effort to drive people out of the free market. In this case, out of the, out of running their own labor, making their own decisions, 
and to drive them out. They don't want you to sell. Uh, they don't want you to sell your work. They don't want you to sell things. They're going to tax those, like the Etsy stuff and your all the little garage sale stuff. They want to tax all that and audit it. They do not want you giving market prices for things. It is a giant threat. M- women, women, moms, this is the best thing that's happened to them in 160 years. They, have a, they can use a platform. They can say, I can work six or seven hours a week, you know, while the kids are this and something. And I know, I know that I can deliver, except on snow days, except when they're sick. So I need work that's flexible. I can find it. I can work with flexible clients. And that's perfect for them. And they don't have to spend money traipsing around trying to collect for it. It comes automatically. Get the job done. Get it approved on Upwork. They get paid. Everything is terms. And women, I had, when I was an employer, I'd have women break down in my office when I said, I can't hire you because I can't do it full time. And they'd say, I don't know what to do. These are women with master's degrees. I don't know what to do. I can't find part-time work that fits in with raising my kids. And the platforms have solved that. And now male-dominated unions are going to try to force women out of the workforce to create a scarcity so that they can ratchet up wages and benefits and keep the competition down. And this is this hurts women most of all, and it hurts hurts mom enormously. And if they are like registered nurses or something, or are, are um, uh, PNPs, uh, nurse practitioners, they have to keep their registration. They have to stay active. You have a couple of kids. You're not going to, you know, you might not meet your registration deadline. Now your now your career is gone. You're not you're not a nurse practitioner. You're unlicensed. Right. And it is, it's just perfect for women. It's perfect for retirees. It's perfect for the disabled who can accommodate themselves now. They're autism. People who are high-performing, high-spectrum, you know, autism, they, can, they, they sometimes have meltdowns. And you just have your meltdown, then you go back to work when you're done. Fine. Boss won't, will not handle that. I can't. I need someone on the at the drive-in. I need someone at the desk. I need someone on the screen at all times. I, I just can't. I, I can't accommodate you, so they don't get hired. Well, Mike, let me ask you. Let's try to end this on a positive note. <laughs> okay. Uh, is there anything out there that's positive on the horizon? Other, we're getting encroached at the federal level. That's been paused. The states are now coming out with their own versions of the ABC. Mm-hmm. What's the positive? The positive is we've got 70 million people that are in this fix. If we can energize, mobilize even a tenth of a percent, if we can help a thousand people to start with, be have more clout with their legislators, state and federal. There are lots of ways to do this. We're, we're working on a list. There's practical stuff. If we can help the affected individuals expand their clout and communicate, we can change it. 60 million people is a big jump. It's a big number. Mm-hmm. And 
remarkable the, the unions know what they're doing the, there's change in strategy they, they know what they're doing i had uh, i heard of one speaker of the uh, of the house in a large state say when asked about this hostile legislation that was that was passed he said nobody came to see me to oppose it this is the speaker Top three people, top three people in state government. No one came to support anti-independent contractor legislation. They're all working. They're moms, right. they're right. retirees. They live 400 miles from the state capital or something, and they're not energized. We have a media that is completely complicit, so it won't tell them. You know, people, be careful. We have to get the word out there ourselves. We have to use our own fiendish energy and, you know, and, and get it out there. But that's the good thing. 60 million people are on our side, plus all their families. Now, that's starting to get big numbers. Just got to get them to, a, you know, the Democrats know what's going. They, they, know what, they know what they're doing. They're whistling past the graveyard, thinking maybe they won't notice, maybe they won't act in time, maybe we'll distract them with all kinds of distractions, and meanwhile, we'll, we'll take their means of production away from them, just like the Marxists said, you know, except that this is individuals flying their trade. So I, that's a positive to me. That's a, if they all jumped off a chair, you know, onto the floor, that's a major, at the same exact time, it's a major geologic event. Okay. So how do listeners get hold of you? We're at Newjobsamerica.com. Our legislation is there. Our, we've, we have descriptions of some of the legislation that's passed and some that didn't. And um, they can send an email to uh, Mike at Newjobsamerica.com. We can talk further. Terrific. Well, thank you for coming on Labor Relations Radio. Thank it's, you, Peter. It's been fun, and uh, it's always good to catch listeners up on what's going on with the war on independent contractors or the war on the gig economy. Yes, I agree. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Have a happy holiday season. Thank you, Peter. You too. So that was Mike Ruby with New Jobs America. And it's always interesting to try to keep up with all that's happening with the war on the gig economy because it is a multi-pronged, multi-front battle. And Quite frankly, there's just not enough people involved with it. In any case, that wraps up another episode of Labor Relations Radio. I'm your host, Peter List. If you want to reach out, you can reach out on Twitter or the app formerly known as Twitter, which is now X, at Workplace Report. That's at Workplace RPT. Give us a call at 1-888-668-6466 or leave a comment under the audio portion of this episode. Thanks for listening and have a happy new year. You have been listening to Labor Relations Radio.
Hey, Labor Relations Radio listeners, this is just a quick reminder. If you enjoy Labor Relations Radio, make sure you share these episodes with your colleagues and make sure you and your colleagues visit laborunionnews.com and subscribe to our News Digest.